Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I am the senior pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall Morton, and I'm the associate pastor at NBC. All right, Marshall. So uh, two seconds ago, we were talking about how we're going to open, what we're going to talk about at the beginning. And yeah. You gave me a warning not to ask you uh, how you're doing. Uh, so... <laughs> How you doing? Well, well, Tim, uh, you know, I've, I've been better. I gotta be honest with you, you know, hasn't been the greatest week or even month, <laughs> you know, ministry is, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird time to be, uh, pastoring God's people. Uh, there's a lot of challenges that, I am wrestling with, you know, and, and I think partly my, not, not just the, the calling, but also my own kind of personality and my own, uh, living situation being in kind of a small apartment type situation. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going, it's not going great, Tim. Uh, you know, there's, 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 there are wonderful blessings to be enjoyed and to be thankful for each and every day. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, it's it's it feels a bit like a valley right now. How about how are you doing, man? Yeah, so let me let me put it to this. I th- I'm going to use an overused metaphor. Uh, okay. So so this is this is not a strike against my creativity. I just want to dig into it a little bit and kind of flesh out what it means. Uh, the idea that this is a this is not a sprint; it's a marathon. You've heard that a thousand times in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Uh, and not just in this, but constantly, all the time. Right? People like to use that analogy. Uh, I, I've actually run a marathon before. I don't know if you know that about me. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. But I, I ran a marathon uh, once. And here's how marathons go, right? At the very beginning of it, everyone's like, they've got a plan, right? So they're eating the thing that they were going to eat before they go on the race and, and everything's set up. And, and there are a bunch of people there cheering. And, uh, and there's like long lines of, of a tunnel of people, right? Just seeing you off and that sort of thing. And everyone's all excited. They, they bring the good runners, the act, people who are actually supposed to, who actually know that this is a race. They all go to the front. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, the rest of us who are just sort of there because they have something to prove, um, all go to the back. And the gun fires and everyone's like, yeah, woohoo, okay, all right, we're on this. And you set off and then, um, then things get quiet. Mm. And you just got to keep going. And sometimes you find yourself in a place where there is no one, right? There is no one. There's nothing. It's quiet. And you start thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> what's going on here? And you see that they have the mile markers to kind of keep your pace, right? Let you know what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, and so you, you get there and you're like 12 miles. So you start doing the math and you're like, I, I don't, I, why? And then after a while, it even got to the point that like the mile markers were no longer encouraging, but they would just make mm. me angry. It was like, you got right. this much far. You think, you think you've been running. This is what you got left, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just, that's how a marathon works, man. It's just, it's not, 
it, it's only exciting at the very beginning and the very end. And the mm. rest of it is monotony and drudgery. Right. And, uh, Imagine and we're, this, though. Let's... We're in a bit of that monotony right now. Oh, yeah. Imagine this, though, okay? So same, you're running that marathon, right? And you got your mile markers. Suddenly, the mile markers don't change. So suddenly, suddenly, the mile markers are going up. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, a couple, couple of minutes ago, I had 10 miles left. And now they're saying I got 15. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, okay. So <laughs> that's, that's, this, that's this marathon. That's, that's, that's been the trouble for me, man. It's like, it's like I, I don't know if we're actually getting closer to the end than we were at the beginning. Okay, so that's, that's not such a far out there analogy. This is going to end up being not about Proverbs. This is going to end up being counseling <laughs> time. Everyone gets a chance to hear Marshall's guide oh, man. and get some guidance. Uh, but, but that's actually not, not completely crazy. When I ran my, ran my marathon, I was running it uh, in Patagonia, uh, which is uh, southern Argentina. And, uh, and so running the marathon, and, and, I, and when I first start noticing the mile markers, like you, you just sort of like see the number and you run by and you're like, oh, it's a mile marker. And uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, you know what? Not so bad. And then I got to the next one and I realized that they, it wasn't counting up. They were counting down, right? Uh, they didn't have them for like the first few miles, right? It was just sort of like in the middle that they started. And, mm. uh, and at that point you're like, Oh, Oh, you see, I, I, I thought that I was really doing, no, I got a long way to go. Uh, so, so not, not really outside of the bounds of the analogy, um, Fair enough. Fair in enough. that way. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, no, I, I feel you. And I, I think we've had that on the staff, a little bit of, uh, of that struggle. Um, I'd say also along the way, there are refreshment stations and little pockets mm, of people true. cheering along the way. When people write mm. in, you know, we, we have people write in and say, you know, hey, the, the sermons or the podcasts or whatever are really encouraging. I'm enjoying them. Um, mm. And, uh, and that's, that's the same sort of cheering you along as you go kind of a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely in the middle of all of this. And, uh, and, and you know what, like, I understand we try not to make references to the weather because these come out like two weeks later, They um, do, <laughs> but, but there was, there was at the beginning of May, those de- like Sunday, May 3rd was like gorgeous mm. shorts and t-shirts in the backyard. And then it snowed. And it's been snowy yeah. and rainy, and, and that's probably a contributing factor to it as well. But the sun's out today, and it's going to be out again tomorrow. And, uh, and this too shall pass. And by this, I mean winter eventually will give way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get on it. That's right. right. Well, that's so, some, those are some wise words, Tim. And, and speaking of you know, wisdom, this week we're getting into the Proverbs. That was good radio. That was good radio. <laughs> yeah well done yeah. yeah so the proverbs and and i would say when we get into proverbs i would say if you haven't already listened to our discussion on how to read genres with paul martin uh you should mm. just pause this go back listen to uh paul's wisdom uh and then mm. come back to this because it, when it comes down to genres the reason we held off we had the idea for that uh podcast that special podcast months ago the reason we held mm-hmm. off was because we wanted to drop it right before Proverbs, right? Yeah. Because Proverbs is yeah. a, a very different kind of reading. Uh, and so, 
This is wisdom literature. This is the, uh, the opportunity to learn from the man who was the wisest who ever was and ever will be. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we're in Proverbs. And so let's start off by talking a little bit about the book, some structures of the book, some uh, elements that people like to talk about in the book. Uh, mm -hmm. One one begins the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but did he write all of these Proverbs? Yeah, so the the common opinion on on the book of Proverbs is that I mean he likely did write some of them, but it's it's almost like an anthology of ancient wisdom that yeah. he compiled under the influence of the Holy Spirit, of course. Um, but yeah, these are these are things that he wrote. These are things that other people perhaps wrote, and he read it and thought, oh yeah, that's that's true and that's good. Um, so it's, it's a collection of, of wise things. I would still put Solomon as one of the primary authors and certainly the editor in chief who's bringing all of these things together. Yeah. I, and, and a lot of times we, we talked about this earlier, a lot of times people want to look at that and, and especially skeptics, they like to look at the book of Proverbs to disprove scripture. And they like mm -hmm. to say, Oh, this, this wise saying predates Solomon by you know, a century, and it comes from this other uh, nation in the ancient Near East, right? Mm. Uh, it comes from Egypt, or, or it was a part of, you know, Canaan wisdom literature, or, or whatever. And so, uh, it obviously uh, is just another example that they would say, this is an example of how the Bible is not inspired, but instead is just stealing from other people's cultures to create this sort of conglomeration. But that's not the case at all, right? Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's silly to assume that, and I, I th sometimes Christians do this, right? That the only people who have anything of any value to say are the right. people of God. I would say that might be true on the person of God and God's revelation sure. to his people, but mm -hmm. there is a grace that is generally given to all mankind that keeps us alive and keeps our societies functioning. And mm -hmm. so if, if an imam uh, is going to say something like, we're, we're not for abortion, we think it's an unwise choice, I don't need to disagree with him just because he's not a Christian. Right. right? Because yeah, no, totally. in that area, what he's saying is wise. Yeah. And it's worth listening sure. to. If, if he says, good morning, I don't have to assume that he's wrong and that there's something catastrophically wrong with this morning. I can assume that it is a good morning or a nice day um, mm -hmm. based off of his opinion. I think the same is true just in a generally secular world. Oh, People totally. Come along with I mean, Go ahead. No, like in our, in our current situation, for example, right? Like the Bible doesn't have a chapter and verse thing that says keep six feet away from people. Yeah. Right. When you're out and about. But I mean, based on the, you know, the, what science we know about this particular virus, we're going to take that step when we're, when we're out in public. Right. And again, we don't have to question that or say that that's not true or that's not good advice simply because it's not again, like chapter and verse in the scriptures. We can just trust that, Oh, these people have knowledge, have a certain measure of wisdom and, uh, and we ought to respect that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think this shows itself more in, uh, 
in the area of counseling than it does anywhere else. Uh, mm, because true. there are, there are those believers who would say, um, the only thing you should ever give to anyone in a time of counseling is a scripture passage to read. Um, mm. give them a scripture passage because that's the only place where you will ever find wisdom. Um, I, mm. I don't, I don't hold to that. I, I think studies on personalities and understanding how to approach people um, is wise. I think right. the ultimate truth is scripture. And I think how we present them with a scriptural worldview can be aided by science and studies of sociology, psychology, uh, those kinds of things that are uh, an in-depth look at the creation that God has made um, and, and using those things as tools to aid our presentation of the gospel is a useful thing. Uh, yeah. So just because the wisdom doesn't come from uh, a believer doesn't mean that it is necessarily unwise. And, and Solomon is just practicing that here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Proverbs, Proverbs is a great book to get into because it really acknowledges just the reality of life, right? Like yeah. the hardships, yeah. the challenges, the complexities of what being a human being is in a fallen world. And it just, mm. that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, and so there's, there's a lot of great stuff, but we have to be able to understand, you know, that the Proverbs aren't promises, right? It's one of the things that, um, that we, that we got into that Paul got into in our, in our prior episode. And that's really, really important for people to understand as they get into this book, otherwise they're going to be disappointed or confused or frustrated. Yeah. And we talked about a couple of instances where that's the case. Um, and, and that's just the nature of a proverb. Uh, so we do this in, in modern proverbs. Um, so for example, for sure. uh, I, I think, I think a great example, if we wanted to just take some time and, and exegete a, uh, a modern proverb. Um, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? It mm. comes in these sort of, uh, this sort of poetic form with rhyme and meter so that we're able to remember it. That's kind of how the proverbs work. We're going to see that in the proverbs that are given. It mm. also uh, is a, a reasonable argument. We understand the wisdom in it, right? Like, if you're just going to laze around all day, um, things, you're not going to get things done. Um, right. And if you're going to be uh, undisciplined and just sort of like be up all night getting into whatever is going on at the moment, uh, that's mm -hmm. not necessarily going to lead you well. And, and those people who are disciplined to get up early and be industrious um, and, and are going to discipline themselves to prepare for the next day by going to bed early. It, things just work out for them because they are making good decisions in how they mm -hmm. manage their time. Right. That does not mean that if you have chronic illness or debt um, or if you're uh, ignorant in, in, on a particular <laughs> topic or whatever, that the answer is going to bed at nine and setting an alarm for six, right? right. Uh, it's not just the, the going to bed and waking up that makes the difference. There are other variables at play. Um, and so it's not, it's not a truism. It's not a promise. 
It's a proverb, and we know how to use that. We understand that. I, I would dare say that no one thinks to themselves, oh, you know what? My situation would have been better if I would have gotten up earlier this morning. Uh, <laughs> what they would say is, if I had gotten up earlier this morning, I could have done something about this and improved exactly. my situation. And we know that. And, and biblical proverbs are the same thing. Yeah, it's not just about knowing the proverbs. It's about knowing how to apply them properly in various mm -hmm. situations, right? right? So just memorization is not enough, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some of these proverbs too, what people will notice and is they might come across something that seems like it's contradictory from something that was already said. And they might say, well, well what's the problem here, right? Like why, why, would, why would this verse say this and then this verse seem to say the opposite thing? But just kind of using the example of more modern proverbs that we use, of, think of a family dinner. There's a family dinner and grandma's in the kitchen and she's preparing the meal and all the aunts and uncles want to be in the kitchen and, and you know, give their two cents on how the meal is made. And grandma says, nope, too many cooks in the kitchen spoil the broth, right? So get out of here. I'm going to make the meal. I know what I'm doing. If there's too, too, too much input, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin this. But then after the meal, right, once everyone's eaten and all the dishes need to be collected and cleaned, she says, well, many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. So in one context, it was better to just have one person doing the job. But now the, different, the new context is, no, we're going to work together to get this done quickly. Mm -hmm. And so even in our modern context, we understand that you can apply different proverbs in different situations and they are, they are still true, even though they may seem contradictory if you just line them up side by side. Right. So I think that's an important thing for people to, to, to know going into this too. Yeah. And, and I think the other, I think uh, you make a great point there. And, and one thing it reminded me of while you were saying that is another proof that knowing the proverb is not enough is the fact that the author of these proverbs doesn't follow many of them later in life, <laughs> right? The entire first section talks about mm -hmm. the importance of gaining wisdom and rejecting folly in a metaphor of taking on a right spouse and rejecting a wrong spouse, mm. right? And he mm -hmm. runs that yeah. theme throughout the whole first section of Proverbs. And then inside of the Proverbs, he will say multiple times over a proverb about the, the grace and the beauty and the uh, the addition to life that comes from having a godly or right spouse and the heartache that comes with having a wrong spouse. And, uh, and he had many, many wrong spouses. They bring about <laughs> yeah. his folly. Yeah. Right. So knowing, knowing it is not enough, applying it's what matters. Uh, so, this week, we're going to be looking at a, a huge front section of Proverbs. Um, and so let's talk about the forest. Uh, the forest, I, I think, is just chase after wisdom. Pursue mm -hmm. it. Pursue it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What you had mentioned too, right? Like, we, just, we aren't just inherently wise because we are new creations in Christ, right? Like we don't just get bestowed this like, we don't get just like a, a wisdom bomb dropped on us, right? As soon as we're saved and then suddenly 
we <laughs> we know how to operate in every situation, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is something that we have to chase after, right? That that uh, that requires effort and time and energy and and you know there's going to be successes and there's going to be failures and there's going to be you know learning from mistakes and all of that, but we are to to pursue it, right? Um, yeah, totally. I think the other maybe one other kind of element to the forest. Maybe it's it's not a tree. Maybe it's the thicket in the forest. But this idea of the the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? right? Okay. What's the fear of the Lord, and how how does that how does that lead me to wisdom, right? Why is that an essential part of wisdom? What does that look like? It's not. Is it terror? Is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about something a little bit more nuanced than that? And so the whole idea of what does the fear of the Lord look like? And how does that, how does that relationship between me and my creator impact the way that I conduct myself with other human beings in the world around me, right? Whether it's financial things, relational things, sexual things, whatever it might be, right? Like um, those are, that, that's, that's an important aspect. I think that we, that is unpacked throughout the book of Proverbs. Yeah. And, and I, I want to say, you know, like, we don't want to simplify the fear of the Lord down to um, be scared of God. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, it bothers me a little bit how much people try to nuance this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I've heard pastor after pastor try to nuance this to the point of not, not even just diluting it, but removing it altogether. Right. That they will. Right. They will nuance this all the way down to uh, basically what it means is it it just means that um, you you want to you want to be respectful to God, right? The fear of the Lord just mm. means to respect Him. Well, honor and respect would suffice in that. Um, mm. Does there need to be a, an element of fear that we have for the Lord that is fear, as we would read fear? I, I would say this. Note this. It is your modern translation that uses the word fear, right? Hmm. To, to argue that this is an antiquated concept or an antiquated, uh, an antiquated use of the word that we have to say, well, back then fear would have encompassed all of these things, but really what it means is this. Okay, if, if you're only going to find that in a, in a document, translated in 1611 and and then every modern translation since then gives a nuance to it even the niv which is going to be more idea for idea instead of word for word is still going to use the word fear yeah why because that's the idea that's That's the the concept (laughs) right when you look when you look at isaiah in chapter six when he stands in the throne room before God, he fears the Lord. Yeah. Right? He looks to God and he says, you are holy. I am not. I don't belong here. Woe to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that woe to me is not an, oh, man. That woe to me is death and curse be upon me because I am unworthy. Right? Yeah. And, and I think I think we as Christians would be more wise if we would stop nuancing the fear of the Lord and start Mm -hmm. recognizing exactly how other he is 
yeah. and exactly how big of a deal our sin is to him. Uh, the reason we nuance that maybe is because we just want people to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think acknowledging it makes us feel better about the cross. Yeah. And, and helps us to understand how gracious and merciful God has been to us. Mm-hmm. That we are where we ought not be by his yeah. grace and mercy. Um, so I, I, like to, I like to dig into that fear of the Lord thing. I think the Bible okay. digs into it. I want to <laughs> dig into it. Um, and I, I think although it might not be <laughs> the wisdom of man for self-help, uh, and, and causing people to feel better about themselves. I, I think it's the wisdom of God yeah. to help us understand the depth of our sin and separation from him and the power of his grace and mercy for us. Yeah, the, the best, if I can make one recommendation, the best little book I've read on the fear of God is called The Fear of God. And it was written by John Bunyan, the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. Um, and I read that about a year ago and uh, blew my mind and, and, and deep in my, deep in my fear of God, but deep in my affection for him as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if anybody's, you know, feeling like they want to, you know, get into some good Puritan uh, writing, that's a huge recommendation for me on, on that subject. But uh, so let's get in. We kind of talked briefly about this whole, this juxtaposition between, Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly. And that's kind of a, a theme throughout the first nine chapters right. of Proverbs. Let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit for people because that's, that's an important thing for them to understand as we get into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so one thing that you're going to notice very early on is that there is a lot of personification going on here, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, you try to, if you try to read too much into the personification, you're going to get lost, Right. When, when it says, my son, you don't need to assume that there is particularly a person in mind who is receiving this. This is not a letter that is being written to anyone. This is the my sons are, are just his way of saying to the reader, to those mm-hmm. listening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, receive this well. Uh, there's nothing gender specific in the fact that either wisdom or folly are being personified as, uh, as feminine. Uh, what he's, what he's going to talk about it when he's doing the whole son and, and the lady folly and lady wisdom, this is what we were saying earlier about that, uh, making folly and wisdom analogous to choosing the right spouse. And what is it that you are going to choose to connect your life to? And, uh, and so that's the analogy that he puts forth. Um, and, and it is what it is. It's an analogy, right? Um, so read it, read it as personification, read it as an analogy. Um, and don't try to read any sort of like actual historical personages into it. Um, or, or what's going to happen is you're just going to end up, you're going to end up confusing the whole thing. Right. If sure. that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 These aren't, these aren't literal women, right? It's not necessarily about choosing a good spouse, although there are particular verses that kind of reference that idea, but that's not what the, the bulk of it is really about. Right. You mm-hmm. got lady wisdom and, and lady folly. 
Uh, one of the commentaries that I was reading on this kind of alluded to the fact that Lady Wisdom, who lives on the tallest hill in the city, which in, on the tallest hill in Jerusalem, uh, lived <laughs> the presence of God in the Holy of Holies in the temple, mm-hmm. right? That, 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 that Lady Wisdom isn't just like, isn't just wisdom. It's she's representative of the relationship that God has with his people. Right. And this, this call to, to a relationship and to uh, fellowship, you know, with lady wisdom is, is God calling his people to himself, right. To, mm-hmm. to the, the, the righteousness that comes from God. Right. And lady folly represents the opposite of that, which is, you know, idolatry or humanism or whatever else we want, whatever we want to put fill in the blank that's going to draw us away from that relationship with God. Yeah. And I found that really compelling. Yeah. And I like that analogy too, because, because what it means is we have to uh, ascend to wisdom, whereas mm-hmm. folly is just at hand. Right. right? Um, you, you can't be lazy with wisdom. It's going to take some work on your hand, on your part, right? You're going to have to do things in order to pursue, to ascend, uh, and, it, and if you just want to take the low hanging fruit and, and just kind of what's there, uh, that's going to be folly. That's going to be what our flesh desires and what our world counts as truth. And it's, it's close at hand. It, it doesn't require your ascension. Um, mm. And so the, the first few chapters are this sort of analogy. Uh, they're more written in prose, uh, which is just sort of standard paragraph form. Um, and, and some, some poetic versing in it as well. Uh, but, but this is, this section is just heavily on pursue, 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 chase after or rise to the occasion of wisdom. And I think this stands out particularly strong in Proverbs chapter three, verses five through eight, right? Mm. Proverbs chapter three, verses five through eight are some of the most compelling verses in all of scripture. And they, this is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Mm. Now this right here, this is like, this is not its own episode. This is a book, right? Um, right. <laughs> you, there's so, so much here. The first thing that I would say is, is count the, like the, the nature of the word all, right? With all your heart and in all your ways. Right. Mm. So everything that is inside of you, that is that sort of that, that feeling, that thinking side of you. Um, and, and then apply that to the way that you practice those things. Yeah. The walk of what you're doing, right. All of it, not a portion of it, all mm. of it. And in doing this, as you are learning from him and as you are doing what you are learning to do, you will see your paths straighten out. Yeah. 
I, I, I've been in groups with Christians where I, I've been able to present to them, I don't believe that this is the biblical way for us to do what we're doing and have them tell me, I, I hear you and maybe that's the case, but right now we need to make some serious decisions. Let's go ahead and do what we think is right and then once we get all of this ironed out, once we get this ship afloat again, then we can see what the Bible has to say about it and how we can transition into the biblical model, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're like, <laughs> let me fix yeah. this, and then we'll ask God what he thinks, and we'll do it his way at that point. Once I've got it, once I've got the wheels under this thing, then we'll ask, we'll ask God how to get the wheels under it. Uh, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense, but that's what our hearts want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But his way will make our paths straight. And then, mm-hmm. and then follows that with this, the sort of couplet thing, what it means to look to God. And then, but looking to God means not looking at yourself, not being wise mm-hmm. in our own eyes. Uh, and people, I, I think sometimes what happens is we look at this and we think, I hear you, but that's exhausting. And I just don't have it in me right now. I, I, it's asking too much. I'm too burdened. I'm too weak. And I just don't have it in me. But he speaks to that as well. That's what verse 8 is telling us. Right. This will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Mm. Right? I, you and I have talked about this a lot. And... Uh, <laughs> and but I, I don't know if I've ever said it in public. One of the things that really gripes me <laughs> is when a congregate comes forward and says, "You know what? We weren't here last week because we just needed to take a day. We just needed, we just needed to rest. We needed some. We we've had you know a stressful time, a hurtful time, and, and I, and so we couldn't come to church." and be with God's people in the worship of God and sitting under the word of God because we just needed some time and space. And, and I think to myself, and, and I, I try to find pastoral ways to express the idea, Christ is where you find healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. Yeah. That's why we gather. That's why we open the word. That's why we sing the songs. This is not another to do on your list. This is the healing that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. don't seek yeah, it I, in your own flesh. The, I, yeah, that, that has always kind of confused me a little bit. And not like, not that I'm trying to toot my own horn or anything like that. But like when, when Candace and I travel, we look forward to worshiping with God's people when we're on vacation. Because mm-hmm. that's, that is also, it's a restful, it's just, an, it's for us, the, 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 the gathering of God's people and, you know, the Lord's day worship and everything like that is, is our, that's a mini vacation <laughs> every week that we get to enjoy because we find rest there. We find joy there. Mm-hmm. We find peace there. And so like we, we do that when we're, when we're abroad and, and it's, it's such a joy that way. It's not an interruption to our vacation. It's actually a deepening, um, of that so I, I don't like but but here here's the here's the thing though like as you were saying before when it comes to the, you know the patterns that god has laid out for his people in his word and you know i wrestle with this we all wrestle with this 
obviously we see massive examples of this in scripture, but people are very willing to acknowledge that as a true thing mm-hmm. and to pay lip service and say, yep, I acknowledge that, yep, God's way is good and God's way is true, but it's actually putting that into practice that is so difficult. But when it comes to biblical wisdom, it's more than just, you know, as I was saying before, it's more than just knowledge and understanding, right? Now, that's, that knowledge, that understanding can help shape our wisdom, but it's about discipline. It's about discernment. And it's about, you know, acting rightly and justly and fairly. It's about, you know, even ethical things are brought into it. It's, it's much more well-rounded than just knowing what is right. Mm-hmm. It's about doing what is right and doing what is right for the right motives. And, 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 it's, and that's where we, that's the goal, right? And that, that's not easy. And that's why we have to ascend that hill. We have to pursue it. Um, but let's not, let's not think for a moment that just knowing these things is uh, is is true wisdom, because because it, it's not. Yeah, and, and that's where he finishes out this section that is uh, that we're saying is is nearly prose, right? Um, in that he he talks about warnings against adultery. Um, he's taking our understanding of the wrong nature of adultery as understood, and wanting us to understand and wanting us to read the the difference between wisdom and folly in that right so when he talks about staying with your spouse and not seeking uh you know pleasure outside of that uh what he's talking about is seeking your wisdom pursuing lady wisdom and and staying committed to that and not not dipping out into uh waters of of Worldly wisdom, not in, not in the sort of the way that we opened. I, I can see where someone might find find that sort of contradictory. That we would say there's is wisdom outside uh, in a general revelation, but what he's talking about is contradicting wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. That we wouldn't say this is an ungodly thing, yet I think it's the right thing to do, right? I I understand very clearly I'm not supposed to steal, but this isn't that much and maybe this little bit of embezzlement is going to bring about a good in another way. Right. Um, mm. Not using, not using contradicting wisdom. He, he talks about it as adultery um, and, and all those kinds of things, then drops practical warnings. The pursuit chapter eight is a, is sort of the, the getting close to the wrap up of uh of what it means for us to to pursue it, but chapter eight has uh, this these really great opportunities to talk about that pursuit. Where he says in verse five, "O simple ones, learn prudence, and O fools, learn sense." Right. So hmm. prudence, he's calling us to understand these things. He says in verse ten, "Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than gold." Right. So rather than or or for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you uh, may desire cannot compare to her. So chase after these things. The amount of time that you would spend pursuing silver and gold, replace that with pursuit of wisdom. Right. Mm. Go for these things and uh, and chase after them, because in the end, they are going to be better for you. Uh, And in chapter eight, more than once. He makes that comparison to the pursuit of wisdom is greater than the pursuit of even silver and gold. 
and those yeah. uh, earthly pursuits that we have here. Uh, then we start getting into Proverbs kind of as we know them in, in like chapter 10-ish. Yep. Yeah. And this, this is what I call the, the, cook, the fortune cookie section. Right. Right. This is where <laughs> you start breaking these things down into these, <laughs> these small bite-sized things. Uh, where right. we get proverbs that uh, are a little bit different in, in the way that we would need to say, you know, they're, they're not promises, they're proverbs, and, and that needs to be read clearly. Yep. Any particular yep. proverbs in these first couple of chapters that really stand out to you? Um, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's Proverbs 12.1. Is stupid. <laughs> yeah, that, that word just struck me. Like whoever doesn't like being corrected, which if I'm being honest, sometimes I don't like being corrected. That's yeah. stupid of me when I do that, right? If you don't like it when, when people, if people are calling you out in love and you were actually in the wrong, if you don't like that, that's being stupid. And, yeah. and, I, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say that I, that that stings. <laughs> yeah, so that, I, that, that one just stuck out like a sore thumb for me. I, I heard a pastor say this one time and, and I tried, I try my best to live by it. I've told people uh, this before in the, in the past and, and I hope I, I really mean it. I, I don't know who said it first. I'm just going to presume it was someone fantastic like Martin Lloyd Jones or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but, but what they said was uh, if you have a compliment about my preaching, tell it to someone else. Mm. If you have a complaint, bring it to me. Um, it's, it's brilliant in maintaining the humility of the heart. It's brilliant mm. in promoting the cause of uh, expanding the ministry of the gospel. Um, and it's, it's brilliant in a way that stops infighting and gossip within the church. On multiple mm. levels, it works that way. Uh, the hard part of it is that I have to love discipline and not be stupid and hate the reproof that might come in the complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And then right what after that, you, there's, there's talk about uh, the excellent wife is a crown to her husband, but she who mm. brings shame is like rottenness in the bones. Right. So we were talking about how, although the first part is an analogy and not not literally a marriage conference in the first part of mm -hmm. Proverbs. Uh, there are marital things in, and, and that's one example of that right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, we have, you have themes of, of relational significance. Um, I mean, financial things are huge as well. You know, whether it comes to, you know, earning money, lending money, borrowing money, giving money away. Like it's, it's important. Like it's an important aspect, um, in the book of Proverbs and, uh, and worth taking note of too, right? Like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to say, um, about a few really broad subjects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, this is one of those, it's like, it's difficult to do in a podcast to just go through and, and grab favorites and, and pull them out because there's just mm. so much here. Uh, in some ways, you'll see a pattern sort of developing through them. And in some ways, they tend to be kind of jumping around. Uh, but, but at the same time, uh, it covers such a broad spectrum. The, the many, many, many trees 
that are here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so That's so true. tell me tell me about your highlights. What are your highlights for the uh, the reading of this first bit of Psalms or Proverbs? So sorry. so the 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 section that I really highlighted um, was uh, actually Proverbs sixteen. Um, there's a handful of verses just to start uh, Proverbs sixteen, and I'll I'll read them through. Um, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than a great revenue with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And uh, yeah, to me, that just kind of summarizes a whole lot of things that have to do with life and, and plans and, and directions and um, you know, I, I'm this kind of person that likes to have my my plan, my week, my month, my year planned out. And so often, it doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, trusting that it, that it's up to God, who is sovereign, to establish that, um, is is just a good reminder for me. Yeah, and and so I, I'm gonna say for me, uh, Proverbs 14 stuck out the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three verses don't necessarily sound like they go together, but they kind of do. Uh, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down, right? Like this idea that we, we want to be building up ourselves, our house, our churches, our communities, and we do that through wisdom, Mm. but not using wisdom is the destruction of all these things. Uh, it's, there's not a neutral ground, right? We're either building it up or we're tearing it down. And then I think the next two verses sort of explain that a little bit more. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, right? So that would be the wise one building up, walking in uprightness and fearing the Lord. Uh, Mm -hmm. but he who is devious in his ways despises him. So we are despising the Lord when we're not, when we're tearing things down, uh, by the mouth of the fool comes a rod for his back. So God will discipline us. We will find our house torn down if we are being foolish, uh, but the lips of the wise will preserve him. So I, I think those three, although they sound like they are very different, are all teaching and, and sort of compounding upon th- what verse one is. Um, and, and then just, I'm going to grab a second one because verse four is a different kind of a thing, but also brilliant. Uh, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. And this is, this is going to be one that sounds like a, a just sort of like read over, ha ha, it's agrarian, it doesn't make sense to me, let's just go with it kind of thing. Uh, when, when, I was, when I was in Toronto pastoring there, uh, I was finishing up my MDiv. Um, I was a full-time pastor. I had three kids that were very, very young. Uh, my other staff were working and going to school and we were all stressed out and I would 
tell them all the time, no one in this office is allowed to complain about how stressed out we are. It's just not allowed. We're all stressed out. We have a lot to do because God has graciously bestowed upon us opportunities that we have desired and taken him up on. And yes, we could keep our lives nice and neat and clean and free of stress. But strength and abundance and the opportunity to be a tool in the hand of God come from bringing that stress into your life, Mm -hmm. that work into your life. And wishing it away might clean up the manger. But where are you going? What are you doing? You got nothing. Right. I think at the expense of being you know mildly coarse here um if you want to get stuff done you're gonna to have to deal with some crap yeah <laughs> i think true. it's is it maybe the uh the message translation of i don't i don't know that, that <laughs> <laughs> i don't read the message um but uh but yes but that's you know that's that's the reality of it right like yeah to get stuff done you're gonna to have to deal with some mess yeah um, and and that's Obviously, you can run something like that further than it needs to go, and you can be like, oh, well, what sure, about Sabbath sure. rest, and what about all that kind of stuff? Fine. Uh, sure. But like, again, it's a proverb. It is what it is. Uh, it speaks exactly. wisdom where it belongs, and if you take it further than that, of course, you're going to find something other. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for listening. This podcast is yeah. a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Be wise, everybody. <laughs>